Welcome, ladies and gents. I'm Lana. Joining me is Derek, and he has a disturbing story to share. One that I find is important as it shows a greater problem. Rampant discrimination and intolerance of white guys with nationalist views in the workplace. Derek is a postal employee involved in a lawsuit against the U.S. Postal Service. Don't go anywhere. Derek, welcome to the program. Uh, Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. So, you know, a lot of people are going to ask, why are you talking about the U.S. Postal Service? Well, you know, one of the signs of a crumbling society is that mail delivery begins to fail. <laughs> and we're seeing it happen in America, all kinds of reports coming out of Canada. And this year we've seen all kinds of warnings about increased uh, theft by postal employees, uh, stealing money and letters and cards, also sensitive information being stolen, identity theft. Uh, personally, I've had all kinds of issues with USPS the last couple of years of missing merchandise, trouble sending out red ice merch, things just go missing and no one's responsible. And also so happens that the USPS is, has an increasing level of diversity, which means fewer and fewer white people, as we know. There are even people who hardly speak English at the post office. We recently had a mailman who was replaced, and it was an an Indian guy, and he literally could barely communicate with me. Uh, I feel that things are only going to get worse and worse uh, demographically as Americans are basically replaced by third-world immigrants. Logistics is going to begin to fall apart. Um, But there's another issue, and it's corruption and anti-whiteness, and that's what we are going to talk about today with you. So tell us about who you are and how you came to contact me. Uh, well, my name is Derek Gooden. I am uh, 50 years old. I've been working with the Postal Service as a letter carrier for 12 years. It'll be 13 years, I believe, March 3rd, uh, coming up soon. Um, I am married, have five children. I've traveled the world, I'm a college grad uh, with a business degree, been in restaurant retail management before the Postal Service. You know, I don't, I don't know what, what much else there is to say leading up into this. The reason I originally contacted you guys was because I've been involved in what is now just passed over the year mark, one year mark, of dealing with uh, harassment and literal threats uh, in my workplace at the U.S. Postal Service where I'm a letter carrier. I am in the Nashville, Tennessee area. Uh, that's, as, that's as detailed as I'll get with that. Um, and this started back in 2017 and, um, I was originally in a situation where after the election, the last election, as we all know, um, there were a lot of, um, butthurt, uh, Hillary Clinton people, uh, who were absolutely sure she was going to win the election. And when she didn't, they were crushed. We've seen the videos of women screaming in the streets and things like that. Um, there were, there was one particular person who I work with at the Postal Service who was very, very, um, pro-Clinton, very anti-Trump. Uh, this is somebody who went to the Women's March, uh, who was a very avowed, uh, leftist and was constantly making political comments and commentary. She would come to work pretty much every day and we're gonna have the first woman president and, you know, all the things that you heard at the time from the left and their their supporters. And when Hillary didn't win, um, she literally called out of work the next day and came in the day after that with obvious, obviously had been very upset. She was literally emotionally crushed by this situation. Um, she went on and on and got to the point where p- people who were just working on a daily basis would literally tell her, will you please just stop, just stop. Uh, not to mention that at work, you're not supposed to talk about it. In a federal job, there is something called the Hatch Act. The Hatch Act basically says that uh, federal employees are not supposed to take sides politically. I know we do a lot of political mailings, both Republican and Democrat. We're not supposed to wear any kind of political affiliation, uh, T-shirts or buttons or decals or anything to work. We're not supposed to discuss politics at work, certainly not supposed to pressure people politically at work. It's supposed to be a very... Um, politically neutral um, area in the workplace. And that's that's the Hatch Act. That's an actual law that's in place. Um, but this went on and on. And um, one day uh, she approached me at my case. I was casing mail. Uh, this, this is when it really started to kick off. She uh, walked up to me and I, I didn't see her coming. She was walked up behind me. And she said, uh, my husband 
told me I didn't realize that Derek was such a effing a-hole hollered at me from behind me. And I was like, what? I turned around and said, what are you doing? What are you talking about? She said, well, you said something on Facebook about California and we're from California and we don't appreciate that. I said, look, first of all, we're at work here. I don't know what you're talking about. Get away from me. We're at work. Go on. Leave me alone. And she was very upset. And um, I went to my supervisor, told him, I said, look, you know, she's over here harassing me about something. I don't know what she's doing, but I'm at work. This is a workplace. Um, can you go talk to her? I'm not, I don't want to file any formal paperwork. You know, maybe she's had a bad day. I'm a laid back guy. Everybody has a bad day. I'm just going to kind of let it go. But I want you to be aware that I've had this incident. He said, okay. Uh, two or three months later, I was um, going to attend a demonstration in Shelbyville, Tennessee. Uh, this demonstration was very publicized. It was a rather big deal at the time. I think it got some national media, actually. And the two stated reasons for the demonstration were, number one, to call attention to the, there had been a church shooting in Antioch, Tennessee, uh, where a black immigrant had come into a white church and specifically said he was there to kill white people. He did kill one woman and shot several others. Uh, the media sort of buried this. Of course, we had to listen to Dylan Roof's shooting of the black church for a year, and the entire southeast had to have their statues torn down because of it. It's because everybody was blamed for the, you know, one what one guy did. But this church shooting in Tennessee, just down the road from me, actually, was buried by the media. It was a, we were going to call attention to that with the demonstration, and also to protest against the illegal immigrants who were being brought in to work in the local factories in that area, which were costing American citizens their jobs. Um, unbeknownst to me at the time, my social media was being tracked by this female and then another uh, female who worked there, another uh, letter carrier. They were both letter carriers. This other female who had joined in with her was a militant lesbian. Um, she would come to work with t-shirts emblazoned with rainbow flags and gay slogans. She had an equal gay equal rights symbol on her uh, case at work and regularly spoke about her um, preferences at work, again, which is unprofessional, which should not be allowed, but was allowed to continue. Um, there were other things she did. She has gotten married to her partner a couple of times, and each time she would go around to every single case and put a notice on people's cases, letting them know this was happening. Just, you know, over the top sort of political and, and social justice kind of stuff. Um, I didn't know at the time, but these two were apparently tracking my social media. So they knew I was going to go to this demonstration because I had made a couple of comments about attending it on my Facebook. Uh, the demonstration was scheduled for October 28th, 2017. On October 25th, which was a Wednesday, I was approached at my case at work. Um, the initial female who had harassed me about California posting uh, walked down the aisle and said in, in front of several people, she said, I'm going to take my camera to the demonstration this Saturday. And if I find anybody there that works for the Postal Service, I'm going to take photographs of you. I'm going to turn those photographs in and I'm going to do what I can to get you fired from your job. She said this in front of other people. I had a witness write a statement. And then she walked over to me and pointed to me and said, and that means you too. I turned to her and I said, look, don't threaten me. That's a threat. I'm not going to stand for that. Get away from me. And she looked at me and she said, yeah, well, you'll see. And she walked off. I went and reported this to my supervisor. Told my supervisor, I said, this is a threat. We have a strict policy against, first of all, political type of stuff at work, which you've allowed to continue to happen on and on and on. We've had to put up with from these two. Now I'm actually literally being threatened. And she said, well, she doesn't have the authority to fire you. It's no big deal. I said, you don't understand. She didn't say she was going to fire me. She said she's going to find a way to get me fired. Those are two different. Those are two different things. OK, that's not a manager saying you're fired. That's another employee finding a way, stealing a package out of your truck. Uh, messing with you in some way, shape, or form. There are many ways that you can set somebody up at the Postal Service to give management uh, the excuse to fire you. So th that's what the threat was, that she would, quote, find a way to get me fired. 
uh, my supervisor uh, at the time, the rural supervisor, uh, Daphne Lance, refused to do anything about it. She refused to speak to her, to say anything to her. Um, I went back to work. I finished my day out. Uh, I went to the demonstration that Saturday. And while I was at the demonstration, I posted a couple of photos that I took there. They were just, you know, photographs showing me there, showing a couple people there that I was with. Nothing negative. There were no um, swastikas or, you know, any kind of outrageous sort of uniforms or anything. It was it was about roughly 300 people. They were from all walks of life. You had young, old. Um, you had just different kinds of people there. There were locals there. There were people from around the surrounding area. Of course, there were the um, leftists who showed up and, and made a big scene and beating on their drums and all that. But um, the police department, the sheriff department, the security was very heavy. Helicopters in the air, snipers on the rooftops. This was, I think, the first decent-sized demonstration uh, after Charlottesville. So you can understand, uh, after you the Unite the Right Charlottesville, you can understand security was very heavy. Uh, armored personnel carriers out there and everything. So... Security was tight, and, and that was good. You know, it kept it kept the two sides apart, and which which allowed for there to be no stand down order given or no setup for anybody to get in trouble. Professionally handled, good job by local law enforcement. I came home that night, and I, I was getting messaged by people saying that the two individuals, uh, the coworkers, and I'm not going to get into the names of the coworkers on this because. Um, Honestly, at this point, this is this is a management issue. Uh, if if a if a if a worker threatens you or harasses you at work, um, it's on them. But once it goes to management, it's on management. It's their responsibility. They should be dealing with this. So um, I'm not going to get into the names of the coworkers. Um, but I was told that the two of them, as well as a third, a male, was had literally gotten on their cell phones, brought up my Facebook. And we're going around showing it to my coworkers at work while I was at the demonstration and telling them that I was a Nazi and a white supremacist. Uh, they were going to black people, black coworkers that I knew, telling them they shouldn't speak to me. Um, again, that I was a Nazi and a white supremacist. And this was going on while I was not at work. Yeah, this is this is harassment for your political views, yet you were never political at work. This is something that you were attending outside of work and didn't talk about. This is outrageous. Sorry, go on. Yeah, and, and like I said, I, I had been in restaurant retail management when I got out of college originally for 15 years. And it's always been my policy that you don't discuss religion, politics, or social issues at work. Yeah. It just does, doesn't belong in the workplace. And what I do, what I do outside of work you know, I've said before to my management and to people who investigated this, when I walk into that building, I am my employee number. I'm not Derek Gooden. I come in there. I'm paid to do a job. I'm there to do a job. And when I leave work, I've done my job and I go home. I'm not there to make social commentary. I'm not there to change people's minds or change the world. I'm there to, to deliver mail. That's what I'm hired for. That's what I'm paid for. And that's what I'm there for, and that's it. And USPS is a private, well, I would say semi-independent federal agency. So this is ridiculous that you have employees ganging up against you because basically you are not a leftist, and they're trying to find ways to push you out. That's what's happening here. Yeah, and so I, I returned to work on Monday. This was after the 28th, uh, the demonstration on the 28th. I returned to work on Monday. And I was immediately met at my case by the two females who immediately got into my face, called me a Nazi, called me a white supremacist. This was in front of my coworkers. Um, I went to my supervisor again, Daphne Lance, and said, look, I mean, this, this is now escalated. I asked you to deal with it last week when the threat was made. You refused to even speak to her. Now it's escalating. Now I'm being literally confronted in my case and being called Nazi, white supremacist. I've got people being told that I'm this evil person because I attended a demonstration this weekend. You need to deal with this. She refused. She she didn't go speak to them. She didn't say anything. She brushed it off. And so I went home. I wrote a statement and I had her sign it. I said, I'm going home. This is a hostile work environment. I'm not going to work in this kind of environment. And I'll I'll be I'll come back tomorrow and we'll we'll try again, basically. Um, so I went home and I came back the next day, Tuesday and more of the same. 
uh, not as hostile as the day before, but more of the same. The chatter, the, you know, walking by, make the snide comments. Um, oh, here's a package. Let me demonstrate for you how to open it. You know, just constant in, in things like that. And I went to my supervisor again. I said, look, I'm still having to deal with this. Um, you know, what are you going to do about it? And nothing, no effort whatsoever. I continued to I continued to work, came into work every day and, and, and worked in this kind of atmosphere. Finally, several days later, I believe it was the next week, I went to my supervisor. I said, look, we need to have a sit down. I mean, this is getting this all over the post office now. I, my entire environment is toxic. I'm having to deal with people walking up to me and asking me, hey, what the hell's going on? Are you a Nazi and all this other kind of stuff? This is a workplace. You know, I'm trying to do a job here. She said, I'm busy. I can't deal with that right now. I said, well, you need to deal with it or I'm going home again. I'm, not, I'm simply not going to work in this kind of environment. So I'd say about 20, 25 minutes later, uh, she, I saw her walk by my case, and behind her was the, um, the one of the two, the militant uh, lesbian, LGBTQP. She, the, the carrier, came out from in the office area, walked over to me, obviously incredibly angry. Her face was red. She walked over to me, got right up in my face and did one of these, you know, where, the, where you throw your shoulder at somebody like a boxer does to make somebody flinch. And she says, nice effing try. Booyah. And throw her, throws her hands up in my face. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with you? And, and she, she walked off and she kind of grinned at me, kind of chuckled and walked off. And I was like, what the hell? So here comes, here comes the man, supervisor, Daphne. She walks out and she says, okay, I need to speak to you. So we go in the office and I sit down and the, I was, I'm actually, I was actually union steward at the time. I was voted, elected as union steward. So, you know, obviously everybody hates me at the post office because they elected me to be union steward. But anyway, we had another union steward at the time uh, named Joe. Joe was in the office. She brought me and sat me down. So my supervisor, Daphne, union rep Joe and I are sitting in the office and she says, uh, well, everything should be fine now. I spoke to um, this female. The other female that you're having problems with just went on vacation, so I can't speak to her today, but I spoke to the other one, and uh, she should stop now. And I said, are you kidding me? She literally just walked out of your office, went straight to me, which was out of her way, by the way, to go back to her desk. She walked straight to me and got in my face and said, nice effing try, and threw her shoulders at me and is very angry. She literally confronted me right after being told to stop, to leave it alone. She put her hands up in the air and she was like, I don't know what to do. I said, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't know what to do? We have a strict policy against this kind of stuff. I've already had to deal with this for two weeks. You've done nothing. You finally say something to her. She goes directly against what you say and you say, I don't know what to do. I said, what about sending her home or, or doing something about it? She said, well, I just don't know what to do. I'll, I'll, have to hand this over to somebody else. I said, what do you mean, the postmaster? She said, yeah, I'll give it to the postmaster. So, okay, so I go back out to my case. I'm right back out on the floor having to deal with this for the rest of the day. A few days later, I, meanwhile, I, I filed uh, formal complaints with OIG, Office of Inspector General, two formal complaints, one for each female. And I contacted HR in the Nashville area, uh, Nashville area HR, wrote them a letter. I came back into work the next week and I was working, and my postmaster named Derek King, he came on the intercom. There are two ways that they make announcements at the Postal Service on the floor. One is called a stand-up meeting where they call everybody together, and the person stands there and talks. The other one is a, is a over-the-intercom type of thing where everybody on the floor can hear it. He got on the intercom. He said, look, folks, I need to make a statement. We're all family here. Uh, there's lots of there's lots of crazy things going on in the world out there, but when we're in here, we need to treat each other with dignity and respect. Nobody needs to be harassing people. Okay, so far so good. He then went on to say, however, if you put things out there in public, you should be willing to accept the consequences. <laughs> and, wow. And, and, yeah. when he, and when he said that, down the aisle... The so one, now, now saying basically it was open season to harass you. That's what he was yeah, saying. Now down the aisle the lesbian leans out and looks at me and, and she smiles and she says, yep, I know that's right. Interesting how it's this one-way tolerance. So you have to put up with all their views, even though you disagree, but they never are tolerant of any of your views, even though you didn't bring them to work. Yeah, how about that right. zero tolerance policy? And do, do they answer yeah. for that? 
Well, let me let me it's it's brief, but let me read to you the exact joint statement on violence and behavior in the workplace from the U.S. Postal Service. Okay, okay. Uh, this this these are parts of it. These are signed by the Postmaster General, the unions, everybody at every level. Okay, it says it is time for reaffirming the basic right of all employees to a safe and humane working environment in italics now it is also the time to take action to show that we mean what we say there will be no tolerance of violence or any threats of violence by anyone at any level of the postal service and that there is no excuse for and will be no tolerance of harassment intimidation threats or bullying by anyone but let there be no mistake that we mean what we say and we will enforce our commitment to a workplace where dignity, respect, and fairness are basic human rights and where those who do not respect those rights are not tolerated. And that's straight from yeah. the joint statement on violence and behavior in the workplace of the Postal Service. Uh, this is the, it is a zero tolerance policy. And part of that, is, of course, is no doubt from the reputation of the going postal. You know, they don't want any more the reason you try to keep out conflict is you don't want things to escalate. Mm -hmm. So you say, look, we're just not going to tolerate anybody harassing anybody. And it's a good policy. It's a good policy to have. No one should be harassed in the workplace. Uh, so that day, getting back to the story, and it gets much worse, if you can believe it. Um, the later that day, after he had made that uh, intercom statement, uh, which was directly about my situation. This had spread, This was, the entire post office had become toxic with us by now, as you can imagine. Later that day, when I got back from delivering my route, I went to my postmaster and I said, look, can we have a sit down? I'd like to have a conversation. And he said, sure, let's, let's go in my office. We sat down, we had about a 30 minute conversation, 25, 30 minutes long. And I originally brought it up and I said, look, you and I know what that, what that announcement today was about. That was about my situation. He nodded. Um, I said, you know, I've been dealing with this for over two weeks now. Uh, Daphne has done nothing about it. She she talked to the one employee. The one employee went straight out and confronted me angrily. Um, nothing's being done. I'm, I'm having to work in this environment. And it was a 30-minute long conversation. There were several things he said in this conversation. Uh, one of them was, well, people have a First Amendment right uh, to speak when he was, he was talking, he was talking about them. I love how it works in that direction. You know? Yeah. It's and I, I said, I said, well, speaking is one thing. I mean, if I, if I come in from the weekend and you're having the water cooler talk and I'm talking to a buddy, Hey, did you hear what happened on the weekend? Blah, blah, blah. You know, that, that's, that speech. I said, these are public acts of personal destruction. These, these are, these are specific targeted efforts okay, to demonize and vilify an employee here. These are threats. I'm going to find a way to get you fired. Um, at, at the time, also, a little bit after this, she, one of the, the lesbian had gone to one of the clerks and said um, that Derek Gooden guy is a Nazi. People like him shouldn't be alive. Jeez. And I said, you know, things like this, people like him shouldn't be alive. And, of course, I got a witness statement for that, too. And all these, all these are backed by witness statements. So it wasn't just me making this stuff up. Um, during that conversation, he brought up her sexuality. He said that he respected her for the fact that she owns it. So apparently her being a lesbian had was in the back of his mind. And I think we all understand what that means. Yeah. You know, she's a, she's a protected class, so yes. they're not going to mess with her. And she had actually made comments about this out on the floor about how the post office knows who I am. They're not going to mess with me. So she felt protected. Um, so anyway, this conversation went on. He told me that he wasn't going to do anything about it. He said, you've gone over my head. You've filed complaints with OIG and HR. He said, OIG contacted me this morning and told me to suggest to you that you restrict all of your social media and you make your social media private so that people can't see it so that you don't have to deal with consequences of it at work. I said, so in other words, they have the right of free speech in the building to threaten me on, on the floor. Yeah. But when I say something outside of all the office and social media, I should face consequences yeah, for that on the floor. What about their social media? How about you? What if, what if you were offended by their posts and it was you who was harassing them for their political views? What do you think would happen? <laughs> you would well, have been I, fired immediately. Yeah. And I mentioned to him, I, I said, you know, look, if I walked in here one day, 
and I called the lesbian. I said, if I, if I walked in here one day and I called her a dyke, I guarantee you I would be sitting at home on my couch right now. I would be terminated immediately. Mm-hmm. I would be fired. Everything would be taken from me. But yet she can walk around here, call me all kinds of names, can target me for all this nastiness. So we had a, we had a rather lengthy conversation. Um, a lot was said there. Uh, he basically defended them, said he wasn't going to do anything. He said he would speak to the two of them. He said, now OIG and HR are going to take over this and investigate this. What do you want me to do? I can talk to them. Um, you know, I asked him about the zero tolerance policy. He said, yes, we do have a zero tolerance policy. And I said, well, I'm, my my um, history with the Postal Service about zero tolerance policies haven't been real, real good. Um, there was an incident um, about a year before where we had a male who was sexually harassing female uh, carriers on the floor uh, to the point of touching them. Um, other other males had actually told him to knock it off. This is how bad it got. Um, and at one point, he actually uh, threatened a, a carrier with sexual violence. And uh, when this was when three three females came forward and filed a complaint, um, he the the postmaster said, "This isn't a disciplinary issue. This is an this is a this is a teaching opportunity. This is not, <laughs> this is an opportunity to teach him." That he shouldn't, you know, sexually threaten females. He was probably a liberal because it's usually, you know, liberal feminists that get caught doing that. <laughs> yeah, and so he was actually allowed. Uh, he was transferred. His his full punishment was being transferred down the street, but he he still was allowed to work with the females that he had harassed. Who were forced to work with him. Let's That's talk about zero tolerance. Other, you know, the higher ups. So did they come? Did they interview? What what came of that? Did anything come of that? Well, I had, I had sent, you know, I had reported this to HR. HR, I called several times. I kept calling them and saying, look, this is not stopping. This is not, it's escalating. At one point, I, I had a couple of um, black coworkers come to me and say, look, we are being told as black employees to not speak to you. We're being told that you're a Nazi and a white supremacist. And some of these people I've known for the full 12 years I've been there. Never had any issues with them. Yeah. As a matter of fact, one actually came forward and gave a, gave a witness, witness statement saying, look, this guy's always treated me with dignity and respect. I've never had a problem with him. You know, as a union steward, I had represented several uh, black employees. There were two uh, black females who were fired, uh, who when they were fired, the first, per- first person they called was me. They woke me up in the morning and I went down to the post office and fought for them, got their jobs back. They were back on the back on the floor working in 48 hours. So. The accusations about me being, uh, you know, Nazi, white supremacist and all this, this is why black employees were coming to me and saying, hey, what the hell's going on here? Because they they had no experience of me acting or, or, or behaving or speaking in any way that, that matched what I was being accused yeah. of. Well, let's be honest. Being called a Nazi and a white supremacist as a white person is a racial slur. You're basically not a self-hating white person. You like yourself. You don't hate white people. So therefore, you're called all these dirty names. That's what's happening. Yeah. So anyway, uh, what happened was uh, HR did not come down and, and they, they kept telling me on the phone, we're going to investigate. We're going to investigate. This went into all through November. This went into December. I uh, dealt with comments. Um, the one employee walked by one time and said uh, to me, you need to have your ass beat. Uh, things this just kept going on and on. And mid-December, I was actually out on my mail route. I had started seeing we have an EAP program that you can go to if you if you need sort of kind of counseling. I started going to that. Uh, it got so brutal. I was uh, seeing a counselor. They got me on meds. Um, I was diagnosed with uh, two or three different things, just short of PTSD because it was happening every day. Uh, mid mid December, I was rushed to the hospital from my mail route. They told me I was having a heart attack. Uh, they kept me overnight for observation. Turned out it was not a heart attack. It was a very, very bad anxiety attack. They told me to stay off work for two to three days. I uh, did all kinds of, you know, nuclear tests on me and everything to check my heart damage. I didn't have any, fortunately. But they said if this continues, you're going to have a heart attack. You're under an incredible amount of stress. Um, my doctor wrote notes. I was having all kinds of other physical issues. And I kept calling HR. They just wouldn't do anything. My postmaster was avoiding me like the plague by now. Um, and he, the postmaster, by the way, is a black male. Um, the HR people finally told me we're going to investigate. 
by the fifth or by the mid December, I was approached by someone, another black employee actually, who told me that this now had gotten to the point where they were saying that my wife, who was also a letter carrier at the Postal Service, uh, that she was a Nazi, white supremacist. Uh, they said my kids were probably Nazis. Um, and we're spreading this around. My concern at the time now was that my children go to the same school with the children of other employees because we're in the same area. So I called HR again and I said, look, not only has this not gone away, this has escalated now. I'm, I'm concerned about my kids now being targeted at school because now my wife and kids are even being slurred, you know, and, and, and spoken of like this. They said, well, we're, we're, we're going to get down there. We're going to get down there. We're working on an investigation. They didn't show up until January 10th. Okay, this has been, at this time now, this had been going on since October 25. I've uh, been to the hospital, I've been through all these medical issues, and, and so they walk into the office January 10th. I didn't know they were coming. January 10th, I come into work, and my supervisor, Daphne Lance, walks up and says, hey, there's somebody here to speak to you at the office. I go in. There is uh, Valerie Maybond, who's from uh, Area HR of Nashville. Kim Alley was a supervisor, safety uh, safety supervisor. Uh, the two of them came in and um, sat down and said, "Are you Derek Good?" And I said, "Yes." They said, "Okay, well, we're here to we're investigating your claims of harassment." I said, "Well, you know, two and a half months later, nice of you to show up, you know." And I, Valerie Maybond, black female from HR, I, I turned to her and I said. Oh, Valerie Maybon, I've spoken to you recently, haven't I? Because I, she was the one I had called two weeks before and told her that this had now escalated to my wife and kids. She said, oh, I, I don't remember. I talked to a lot of people, kind of brushed it off. We sat down and had a one-hour-long interview. Uh, during that time, they told me, look, what you put on social media is your business. Uh, the only time the Postal Service would have a problem with it is, number one, if you specifically mention the Postal Service in a, in a negative or, you know, you go after the Postal Service, we'd be interested in that. Or if you make a direct uh, threat against an employee of the Postal Service. Those are the two uh, situations where we would get involved in something you put on social media. Otherwise, what you do outside of the building is your business, um, as long as you don't bring it to work. And we agreed on that. They said, you've done nothing wrong. You're the victim here. They told me that I was a victim. My postmaster in a previous conversation, he had told me that I was a victim uh, of the harassment. Uh, they both admitted that I had been harassed. And so we had a good long interview and a lot was said. And uh, I know I'm going to leave important things out here. And after this is over, I'm going to say, God, I forgot to say that. <laughs> but um, anyway, I left the interview. They said they would be uh, talking to all of the witnesses. I had provided several written statements written statements about the threat of, of finding a way to fire me, written statement about how I, I shouldn't be allowed to live or shouldn't be alive, um, and things of that nature. And and I, I went out, went to work that day. Came into work the next day and um, was putting up my mail, doing my job. I was over by the, the carts where we collect our packages. And my postmaster, Derek King, walked out on the floor. And uh, I was I was on my phone. We were talking about football. A buddy of mine and I were talking about college football. And he walked over, and, and my friend said, "Hey, nice kicks," referring to his shoes. He had some new shoes on. And he said, "Oh, thanks. Nice. Appreciate that." And and there was kind of a lull in the conversation. And then uh, he turned to walk away, and he looked at me and glared at me, and he said, "Oh, Facebook," like that, and, and walked away. Now this this was a this was a reference to this investigation. This was a reference to the social media. Facebook posts and things like that. I, and I knew what, what he meant by that. It was kind of a, a little dig. And, you know, I, I got upset about it. it. I was angry. And this has been going on for two and a half months. Nothing's been done. And now my postmaster's making smart comments about it. So I go to my supervisor, Daphne, and I said, I'm leaving for the day. You know, I'm not putting up with this anymore. It's been going on for three months. Now my postmaster is uh, making snide comments about it. I'm going home. I'll come back tomorrow. We'll try again. So I wrote a statement, had her sign it, had a witness come in with me so they couldn't claim that I was yelling or hollering or anything. I go out to my car to leave. Well, I, had, I had forgotten my key to my mail truck. So I thought, oh, I got to go back in and drop this off. Well, I knew the history of my postmaster. He had anger management problems. Um, this, as an aside here, this postmaster would literally brag walking down the aisle. He would brag about the fact that he had so many EEOC complaints 
in Alabama where he was previously working with the post office that they had moved him out of the state of Alabama to the state of Tennessee and had told him he could not return to the state of Alabama because he had such anger management and EEOC complaints. Literally, he literally bragged about this. Okay. But that's yeah, the state. That's yeah, the state of his job. Yeah. Yeah. That's the state of the postal service management. So anyway, I knew he had an anger problem. So I, on my phone, I clicked uh, record. Okay. So I start going back to the, um, building and here, here he comes out the building and he's hollering and he's yelling. And I put my hands up and I said, look, you know, I'm upset. I just want to go home, man. I, I don't think we should have a conversation right now because I'm, I'm really upset. He said, I don't care if you're upset. He said, I'm upset. And he started to holler. I said, you can, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're going to holler at me now. He said, what the hell's wrong with you? Blah, blah, blah. He starts hollering at me. And I said, you know, I, I told him what happened inside, how he made the reference to Facebook and he was making snide comments about the investigation and all this. And he said, that's not what I said. He said, I, I said my shoes were 19.99 on Facebook. I said, man, come on, man, that's not what you said. You know what you said. You made a smart comment as you turned away. And then he said, man, just go on, get out of here. And then he turned away and he, he muttered something under his breath. He called me something. And I said, what did you call me? And he said, man, don't worry about it. And he stuck his finger in my face and he said, I'll deal with you. Hmm. And he threatened, he threatened me and then he walked into the building. Yeah. To back up a second, the conversation that I had, the 30-minute conversation I had with my postmaster where he talks about how they have the first amendment right to speak and, and all this, and I should have I should have to deal with the consequences of my social media, and I should restrict my social media and all this other stuff, 30-minute conversation. I recorded that entire conversation. I also recorded the entire conversation with the hour-long conversation with you two investigators that came in. That's going to be important later because when I leave that day after being threatened by my postmaster, I called the investigator that was there the day before. I told her, look, I was just threatened by my postmaster. And also, what's the story on the investigation of me being harassed over too much? She said, well, we looked into it and it seems like it's kind of died down now. So I don't know what you expect us to do about it. I said, it's, it hasn't died down. My God, it, it's escalated. It's involved my family and everything else. And now I'm being threatened by my postmaster. And she said, well, we'll look into the threat. But other than that, I'm not sure what you want us to do for you. So I went home. Um, I filed with the union for uh, to be put on sick leave. I provided my medical and psychological documentation for all that I've been going, you know, ongoing. And I filed with uh, OWCP for workers' comp. And uh, I had to burn all my leave time because I wouldn't, get, I couldn't get approved for it. Ran out of leave time. OWCP did an investigation. OWCP came back and said that they were denying my claim for workers' comp because although I had provided the medical um, paperwork necessary, the doctor, psychologist, all this, the postal service had responded that none of this ever happened. <laughs> none lies. of it ever happened. Of course, yeah. Um, I was I was never harassed. No they're all in on it together, me. so it's real easy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. No. What they did, oh, sorry. Go on. Well, what they didn't know at the time was that I had recorded all these conversations, mm. and I did not make them aware of this because um, I knew they were going to lie. And my attitude was, okay, I'll just let them hang themselves. Um, and that's what they did. They wrote uh, formal statements. I was told the investigation by the Labor Department, I was told that any false statements given, this would be an investigation. Any false or misleading statements given would be considered perjury and would be uh, charged as a felony. Uh, my postmaster, Derek King, gave several false statements denying he threatened me, said that I had told him I don't need to listen to anything he says, that I had hollered at him. All these, I mean, just a long list of lies and statements. Nothing's ever been done to them, of course. OWCP denied my claim for workers' comp. I've been out of work since January 11th of 2018, almost a year I've been but out of work. you're not fired, you're not laid off, you're not suspended. I'm not fired. So what, what are you? And to make matters worse, I was actually called one day, July 16th, I received a phone call from the Postal Inspector Service, which is the law enforcement arm of the Postal Service. Uh, an agent called me at about noon and said, look, I'd like to sit down and discuss with you your situation. I said, that's great. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad you guys are getting involved because, you know, I've been threatened and all this stuff. And he said, well, I can meet you at two o'clock down at the post office. I said, OK. So I called the union. I said, is, is this, you know, is this sound OK? And, you know, I just want to check with you guys. He said, well, we can't have a rep down there that soon, but go ahead and go in. And if at any point 
this becomes you, you feel kind of squirrely about this, then you can just say, look, end of conversation. I want representation. I said, OK, so I go down to the post office and meet this guy at two o'clock. He's got the men in black look, you know, the federal agent look. And um, he walks over to my car and introduces himself. I, he didn't give me a card and I forget his name. Um, but he says, how are you doing? And a little small talk. And we're standing there and I'm thinking, what, what's what's going on here? Well, up, up pulls a dark colored suburban and another agent gets out and he walks over and he introduces him. Pretty big, pretty stout guy. And uh, he says, OK, let's go ahead and have a talk. I said, OK. He said, first of all, uh, do you have any weapons on you? And I said, no. Why would I have any weapons on me? He says, put your hands up. So I put my hands up. He starts frisking me. He puts his hands up under my shirt. He frisks me. Pats me down. I said, what the hell are you doing? He said, well, we're, we're checking you for weapons. I said, and he said, also, you need to leave your phone, your wallet, your keys and everything else outside of the building. <laughs> I was like, guys, what are you talking about? And he says, well, if you want to have a conversation with us about your situation, you'll, you'll do this. It's like, okay, fine. So I go in the building and I sit down and they said, uh, we're here because we're brought in anytime threats are made at the postal service. I said, well, that's awesome. You know, I've been threatened for two or three months. They said, well, we're not here to talk about your situation or your accusations. We're here because you put something on social media that was about the post office that, that named the names. And that makes people at the Postal Service very nervous. I said, well, I'm, I'm glad they're nervous. I mean, I did it to make them nervous. I want something done about my case. Nobody's, nobody's what, helping. What did nobody's you actually post? What I posted was I, I, I had gotten home and I, I posted probably a two minute little thing. I actually filmed it on my, on my phone. It was on my cell phone and, and I put it on desperate YouTube. Desperate telling your situation. Yeah, basically. trying to, trying to basically let people know what was going on and, and talked about how my cars were about to be repoed. My house was going to be repossessed or, or taken and I was going to be evicted wife and five kids and all this stuff. Cause you know, they wouldn't, they denied my workers comp. They wouldn't let me work, et cetera, et cetera. And I named names, same names I've given to you, the names of the people. There are a lot of good people that work at the Postal Service, but the, the people that are bad that are involved in stuff like this need to be named. It's not everybody at the Postal Service who, who acts like this. Plus, they get taxpayer money, right? Doesn't USPS get taxpayer money? Yes. So um, anyway, we uh, they brought me in. They sent me down, and they said, we're here because of what you said. I said, look, I haven't threatened anybody. I've been working here almost 13 years, never threatened anybody. I don't have any history of violence. You know, we're concerned about you committing violent acts against the Postal Service or people involved with the Postal I said, Concerned how? I've never said anything about that. I've never threatened anybody. One never mentioned any violence. He said, well, we just want to have an understanding. He said, if you put any, you're, you're free to put things on social media. I said, have I done anything wrong? Are you charging me with anything? He said, no, you've, you've done nothing wrong up to this point. We're just having a friendly conversation. I said, well, you know, this doesn't seem so friendly to me. He said, well, and we want to let you know that if you post anything else on social media, you're going to be getting another visit from us, which, which is it's like the little, you know, I, I posted on social media after that. I made a little little video and I said, you know, these guys are like the Gestapo, except the Gestapo had nicer outfits. They had sharper uniforms, you know. Were they, were they white guys? Yeah, it was two white guys. Of course, of course. Yeah. And uh, Enforcing so they were basically, diversity enforcers. Yeah, they were basically brought in to try to intimidate me. So I went home and they told me, they told me also that when I left the property that day, they escorted me to my car. They told me that I was not allowed on post office property until, quote, the resolution of your situation, whatever that means. They wouldn't explain what that means. They refused to even discuss my claims of harassment and, and threats. And they told me that uh, I would be prosecuted if I stepped foot on post office property. And now this is a law enforcement arm of the Postal Service. So now I'm not fired. I'm not disciplined in any way. I've been told by my postmaster, by security or uh, safety, sorry. And by HR that I've done nothing wrong, that I am the victim, I've been told by several layers of management that I've done nothing wrong. But yet here I am being told I'm not allowed on post office property or I'll be prosecuted. So my OWCP is denied, so therefore I've got no money coming in, okay? So anyway, time goes on. Uh, my wife actually a couple months later is involved in a car accident at work. Uh, she was rear-ended while she had her arm in a mailbox and it tore her shoulder and uh -huh. she had to have surgery and all that. Well, what happened was somebody else who had the same exact injury, torn rotator cuff, had surgery within two weeks. My wife had to wait seven months for her, for her surgery. And I can give evidence of exactly why. Because of me. I was being targeted. 
and it was being taken out on my wife. Uh, she had surgery set up twice, and the post office called twice and canceled her surgery. Really? Yeah. Th that's how nasty uh, that this got as far as me being targeted. Uh, I was, I've been brought in several times for investigative interviews. And during the investigative interviews, I'm brought in and told that I'm being uh, investigated for failure to show up at work. I say, well, <laughs> how the hell am I going to show up at work? I, I've been told by the legal, by the law enforcement arm that I'm not allowed to be on the property. I've got a doctor and a psychologist saying that I don't need to return to work in this environment. My psycho psychologist literally wrote a letter saying, if I return to work under the same circumstances with the same people who have threatened me and covered it up, that there is a, quote, potential for a violent incident. And yet you're trying to force me to come back to this workplace. So anyway, that's that's where it ended in July. I, I still I, I filed with the EEOC back in, I believe, December of 2017. EEOC opened an investigation um, based on several different things, racial, uh, religious, sexual uh, discrimination. Uh, there were comments made over the course of those three months regarding uh, me being a Christian, uh, me being white, of course. Of course, me being, you're being harassed. Yeah. Christian, white, yeah. straight, male. your politics, male, all these things. And there's zero, absolutely zero protection for you. Yeah, I'm hearing exactly. this happen more and more. So naturally, you filed a lawsuit, right? Yeah, I filed with the EOC. That's what's going on now. I, I could file a civil suit, but civil suits take two to three years sometimes before you can get in front of a judge. You'd still uh, do it, you know? Still do it. Oh, yeah. It, it's, still, it's still an option, but uh, EEOC is the quicker way, so I'm, I'm dealing with that first. And we, I just had a federal deposition yesterday, actually, and um, the, 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 the tactic now for the federal attorneys is they can't argue – the facts because I've got the recordings. I've got witness statements. I've got recordings. Now, is it legal? I know some states you can't have secret yeah, recordings. It, yeah, it is. The okay. state of Tennessee, it's it's a one-party thing where as long as one person knows that the recording is being made, then Tennessee allows for that to happen. It's also legal as far as federal law goes. Okay. Um, the, and I looked into that beforehand before I made the recordings. And I only made the recordings because I, I it was a desperate attempt. You course, know, I mean, yeah. I was every time you I tried to catch to do them in their lies. Of right. Every time I tried to do something, they wouldn't do anything. And then the response would be, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, so I was kind of forced to prove uh, the lies. I was pushed into that to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. um, and so from there, you know, I've, I've got the EOC case. Uh, it has gone to depositions and uh, I finished mine yesterday with my attorney and the um, federal legal team asking me questions. They presented uh, things off my social media. Uh, they can't argue the facts of harassment because I've got the witness statements and the recorded conversations. So now their tactic is they're now trying to paint me as an extremist, um, as a Nazi white supremacist, things of this nature. They have actually filed today, the day after the deposition, they told me that they would be doing this yesterday. They fi are filing a request for me to be forced to turn over my passwords and all my social media accounts and all my social media data God. to <laughs> treat like treated like a criminal here. Yeah. Well, it's also, it's, it's, we're going to, we're going to see what we can do to smear you. We're going to try to find something you put on social media, it do, but it doesn't matter. You, whatever your political views are, it doesn't matter. You didn't bring it to work. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, but what were these posts? I mean, let's talk about the worst social media posts that they can uh, point well, out. Well, the social media posts, they, they had accessed my social media. Originally, my Facebook was open to the public, okay, and, and I've had that way for years. The reason I have a Facebook in the first place and the reason I had it open to the public is I've traveled the world. I've been to the Middle East. I've, been, I've walked the Great Wall of China. I've been to Europe. I've been to North Africa. I've been all over the world, and um, I have friends, obviously, and contacts from all over the world. And so to me, Facebook is sort of a um, – sort of a Rolodex. It's a way to keep track. If I want to talk to somebody in Czechoslovakia, I can't just pick up the phone. I can just say on Facebook, hey, how's it going? You know, it's a way to, it's a way to socially interact with people from around the world for me. And I've never feared a uh, discussion of political. I minored in history. So history, I'm a bit of a history buff. And, and I like discussing, discussing social and political issues with people from all over the world, from different religions and backgrounds and everything else. And we have lively discussions. And I've never had a problem with that. 
So that's why it was open and that's why it was, it was public. So I got into discussions from every, you know, there's all kinds of things I've got on Facebook. I've got me talking about, um, the immigration issue. I, I, there are times I talk about people that are saying that Saudi Arabia is horrible because they execute people. And I come to their defense and say, that's their domestic policy. What the Saudis do in Saudi Arabia is their business. I'm a nationalist. Of course, I believe that every country and every people has the right to their own way of doing things. And of course, you know, if I defend Saudi Arabia, then I'm in, you know, I'm supporting Islam and all this, you get labeled that. And then of course the next week, somebody will say something about, well, now you hate Arabs because you're against this. It's, it's ridiculous. You can't ever take a position anymore about an issue without being considered painted with a broad brush. And I, I can see this happening more and more. That's why, you know, I don't have any faith in the federal court system because a lot of times, you know, who's the jury that they're going to pick and someone like you, you're going to be guilty right away because you're not a leftist and you're not self-hating and they want to punish you and make an example of you so that other people don't follow. Yeah, the EOC thing will actually go before a judge. It won't be, It won't go before a jury. So okay. there's some hope there. I, I, I did have fear with a jury kind of situation. A civil action would probably go in front of a jury and that's, takes a long time. Plus, you never know. You can get people who, oh, this guy's just evil and just come against you. So mm-hmm. um, the EEOC thing, well, I'm, I'm looking at probably April now before I can get in front of a judge. And so meanwhile, you know, I've been ruined financially. Um, can't pay my bills. My utilities have been cut from time to time. I've got a wife and five kids. Uh, my phone's been cut for non-payment. My wife's had her car repoed. Uh, January um is the the December was the last month for the deal I made to keep my house for a less than regular payment. So in January they'll start paperwork to her for evicting me from my house. Derek, and that's awful. So my house. So what are you going to do? And is there people that can help you? Can our people help you somehow? I, I you know I don't know. I, I I'm I'm stuck because. I'm not I'm not terminated from the postal service, yeah. so I can't I can't go work. And I've worked all my life, and I'm a hard worker. I was raised in middle class family and a working class family, and but I, I'm stuck in this situation because if if the post office terminated me tomorrow, a college degree and with the labor department or the labor you know the economy the way it is, I get a good paying job tomorrow. I, you know, I, but I can't go work for someone else because then they'll turn around and say, aha. You know, you're working for someone else, therefore all your back pay, all your claims, we're just going to have them all thrown out. And I, I feel like this is a fight that I need to fight. Um, I, I've done nothing wrong. I've, I've, I've been, re- I've come to work as an employee. I've worked hard as an employee. And I've got a history in, in all my years of restaurant retail management. I've never harassed anybody. I've never taken any positions to target or, or pick on anyone based upon any kind of background or, or preference or anything like that. And yet here I am being made an example of because it's no longer, you know, the, the rule used to be come to work, do your job. Don't, you know, re- politics, religion and social stuff. Don't bring it to work. It's not good enough anymore. No. Now, if you dare say anything, even in your private life, yep. we, will come dig, for you. They will we will come for you. They will fire you. Yes. We, we will come after you. We will find out what you're saying, even in your private life. Yep. And we will, as my postmaster said when he pointed in my face, I'll deal with you. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's happening. You could be a fantastic worker, did nothing wrong there, but because of your political views, because you aren't self-hating, because you aren't a leftist, because you're not going with this agenda uh, leftist agenda, then you are guilty and they will come after you and they will fire you. They want to ruin you. They want to make you homeless. <laughs> they want your family to suffer. And this is awful. I mean, this is a sign of things to come as this more, this diversity Gestapo comes in and enforces their way and begins replacing us with, you know, third world workers and whatnot. I mean, this is awful. That's why it's so important that you fight this case because there needs to be people setting a precedent for this because a lot of people they just uh, we talked about this earlier you know off the air a lot of people just give up and walk away oh it's too hard it's too much because these things take years of course you know courts and investigations and and some people just get fed up but that's why it's so important to stick with it and fight and we need more people doing that so i commend you for that i know it's very difficult yeah and i've had i've known people and i've had friends who have who have been targeted for just simple things, you know, they, they go to church. I mean, it's getting so bad now. You don't have to be some 
swastika waving, jacket wearing guy around the square. You could just be a Christian going to church and 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 make a comment about you don't agree with homosexuality, and there you go, you're on the list, and you'll be targeted. And the background too of the people, the two people that were harassing and threatening me, you know, both of them were very activist leftists. They went to the women's march. They went to gay pride parades. Um, they are activist leftists. These are not, these are, these are people who are targeting me specifically, who are digging into social media, who are activists themselves. And, but apparently it's okay for them to go to demonstrations. You know, at the women's march, you had people like Linda Sarsour, who is an Islamic extremist who calls for the destruction of the United States. You had Madonna up there saying she's thought about blowing up the white house, but that's okay. Yep. That is People right. on the left can talk about blowing up the White House and how we need to take down America. Yeah, welcome as a to the extremist. neo-communist order, Glo- neo-communist yeah. globalist multicultural order. Yeah, this is how it is. And the postmaster in this instance, Derek King, you can actually Google his name, and when you Google his name, you will come up with a court document where, as a postal employee, he physically assaulted someone else at the post office, physically assaulted them. We're not talking about just threatening. And then he brought a case of racial discrimination, but turns out he is a black male, physically assaulted another black male, and that black male who is his superior sent him home on emergency leave, uh, saying that he was afraid for his life. But yet he claims somehow he was the victim. Mm -hmm. And again, he physically assaults someone in a position of authority. And what, what happens to him? He's promoted. Yep. The postmaster shipped up to Tennessee, and he is put in a position of authority over other people. Yep. Then, when he threatens me, they never even did an investigation. These a lot comes out during the EEOC investigation, and my attorney has gotten access to their side and the things that they've done or haven't done. They never even investigated my claim. There was no investigation, no follow up about the threat. Nothing was done. It was just done, and then it was attempted to cover up. Oh, none of this ever happened. They told the Labor Department. They actually reported me, my postmaster reported me to the Labor Department as a white nationalist. So if there's any doubt about the political uh, sort of bias here, when you've got, a, when you've got your uh, federal uh, supervisor reporting you exactly. to other federal agencies exactly. as a political whatever, yeah. you're exactly. being targeted for your political perceived mm-hmm. political beliefs. And then, because again, oh, I never, if he's a white nationalist... Talk- but even if you say, oh, I'm a white nationalist, okay, then it's okay. We can come and destroy this person because of his views. Even though you weren't violent, you didn't attack anyone, you weren't uh, rude or vulgar to anyone, it doesn't matter. I have had some protection. The union has fought for me with what they can do. The union, however, is limited because they, they, ha- they, can, only, they can only struggle or fight over what's in the actual national agreement. They can't, just because something's wrong doesn't mean the union necessarily has an actionable thing that they can step in on. So they, they filed paperwork for my harassment. The union went in, and actually when I originally filed my Department of Labor paperwork for a workers' comp, my postmaster sat on it for a month. He was required by law to send it in within a certain number of days. But again, this is the same postmaster who threatened me, sat on my paperwork for a month, and I had to have a union rep go in and literally threaten him that if he didn't send in the paperwork, we were going to bring action. That's That's what I had to do to get him to file my paperwork. So it's just been nastiness from day one. It continues. Um, you know, my, my lawyer has filed a motion to restrict my social media because he's saying none of it had anything to do with, I, I didn't make any posts about the post office. I didn't make any posts about these two individuals threatening me or the investigation. So, But they're not going after that. They're going after stuff they can try to smear me with. Um, they brought up some images. In my deposition yesterday, they had access to my Twitter and some of my public things that were public back in the day in Facebook. Uh, two of the things they brought up were that there was a patch for the Azov Battalion, which is a Ukrainian military unit that has been fighting against the Russians for Ukrainian independence. Mm-hmm. This is a military that the United States government actually supports. We send them money. We send them weapons. Uh, Trump just sent them some high-tech anti-tank weapons to, to help in their fight against the Russians for their independence. I posted a patch in support of that uh, military, and, and apparently that, that patch is somehow a negative that was brought up for being on my <laughs> social media. 
Um, what does that have anything to do with America? It's another country. And what does it have to do with my delivering mail, delivering like, mail? Yay. You know, you know? <laughs> I know so, it's absolutely ridiculous. So that's where we are. And, and part of the reason I'm publicizing this, too, is like you said before, a lot of people have really come under the hammer with this kind of behavior. I mean, you've got I've seen videos of demonstrations, leftists and Antifa and things like this saying we need to, quote unquote, dox people. We need to get them fired from their jobs. We need to get them run out of their apartments or their houses. We need them. They are actively they're They're literally stating that this is their purpose to ruin people financially, to get them just basically crushed. And I have known people who this has happened to, you know, this goes all the way back to the story, but the people who refuse to bake the cake for the gay couple and this has just gotten worse. And there are people out there who have not had the voice, who have not had, you know, in my, in my situation, I've got the union, I've got an attorney fighting for me. I, I, I'm able to kind of resist and push back. And there are a lot of people out there who've, who have not been able to resist and push back. They've maybe they've been in jobs that have been whether they have lesser less education or they've been in jobs where it's just, hey, I'm firing you, get out of here. And there's they have no recourse. They have nothing that they can do. So part of this is me defending myself and calling attention to what is a real problem uh, and, is, and is a growing problem in our society and, and now in the federal government and in jobs. But it's also a, to call attention and to kind of help those people out there feel like they don't have a voice. They've Nobody's spoken for them. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their cars, their possessions uh, it's it's caused family breakups and, and things because it's stressful you know when you've got no money you can't pay your bills it's hard yep and you know and the fact that these leftists can come after various nationalists and people for their political views and say we're gonna we're gonna get you fired we're gonna destroy your life it tells you who runs mainstream culture and they know it they behave like a, a mob a mafia i mean that's when you were talking about the story of, of your post officer that's what it feels like like there's a, a mafia and they have each other's backs and they know they know that they can talk to you because they can get away with it because everyone else is in on it with them and that's what's happening you know more and more people People like you are being replaced from these places and people like them are being put in those positions. So, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and, and being bold and telling your story. I know it takes a lot in our current, you know, political climate where all straight white guys are automatically guilty and no one cares for them. No one has a voice for them. They say, well, all white men are in positions of power. What, what, well, what about you? Well, wh where's your privilege? When can you cash in on that? Right, Derek? Yeah, exactly. Huh. Just, yeah, and I'm not. I'm certainly not in a position of power here because the people that are above me are have an agenda. Yeah, and um, you know, I'm left to kind of deal with it on my own. And, and again, I'm fighting it. The we're going through the struggle now over the social media. My social media won't be turned over. Um, it'll take a court order, and then I will resist that. And I guess they'll have to sue Facebook or something. But I, I'm not gonna. It's the principle of the matter. Uh, I don't have anything on there that, that deals with the Postal Service. I don't have anything outrageous on there. I don't have a bunch of swastikas or any kind of craziness on my social media. Obviously, Facebook would ban it anyway if I even put it on there. Yeah. But it's it's the, it's the point of the matter. You know, the government can't, um, should not be able to demand access to your private or, or whatever social media. It brings up a point. I, I was watching Tucker Carlson just just last night. I do I love watch a lot of shows, and there was a New York senator on there who has brought up a bill. Now he's actually brought up a bill in New York saying that uh, in order for people to be able, one of the one of the parts of applying for a gun permit or to have a gun is that you turn over your passwords to your social media to oh the government, so that the so so that the government can peruse your social media as part of deciding whether or not you're allowed to have firearms. This is an actual New York Senator, Kevin uh, Parker is his name. Uh, he just put forward that bill. And, you know, you've got things like yesterday, I saw the story of the 11-year-old boy stripping at the New York City Gay Club. Uh, you know, this the, the kind of degeneracy yeah. that in our society, and, and if I want to comment about that on social media in my own private time, I should be allowed to do that without being smeared and without being made to appear to be some kind of uh, extremist or some 
ridiculous, outrageous person. I'm not. And that's where the left is trying to move the goalposts. They're trying to make it so even just little minor comments is considered extremism. And that's why it's urgent that we fight back and hold our ground and say, wait a minute here and push back. Yeah, exactly. You can just make some little comment. Now you're a white supremacist, white nationalist terrorist and the feds are going to deem you dangerous. I mean, they're already talking like that, the feds, that, that white nationalists are the biggest threat in America. I mean, this is outrageous. So I appreciate everything you're doing, Derek. Uh, you'll have to come back and give us an update. Uh, do you know any idea when this might be wrapped up, when you're going to know what's going to happen? No, it, they keep dragging it out. I've, I've been told by my attorney, possibly April, I'll get in front of a judge. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm getting pretty much to the end of the financial rope here. So, um, you know. I don't know what's going to happen between now and April. They keep dragging it out and, and it's it's they grind you down. They drag it out. They know you're in financial situation that you are. And then they, they know as long as the, the longer they can drag it out, the longer they can they can hurt you and try to grind you down and crush you. So, well, Derek, I know that there's a lot of people that want to help you out. I know you're in a <laughs> very difficult situation. You can't go get another job. You can't go back to work. You're tapped out. You're going to lose your house. You have five kids. You're in this massive legal battle against this, anti, let's call it what it is, an anti-white system that wants to destroy you. You need help. So I want to be able to share your email. We'll show that on the screen. So if people want to reach out and help you either financially or contact you and help you in other ways, they can do so. Okay. Yeah, I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Well, thank you, Derek. I, I wish you the best, and I, I hope that you win this. Stay the course. I know it's really, really tough, but, you know, you're you're paving a way like, like a spear. <laughs> and um, I want to find out what happens, so you have to give us an update when things actually resolve. Okay, will do. Thank you very much for having me on and, and giving me this uh, this forum to kind of shine some light on this. And I'm hoping that, that more light will be shined on this. And so other people who have suffered this um, feel like somebody's kind of standing and pushing back. And also, so this stops happening in the future because it's not going to stop with me. You know, a lot of people watching this may think, well, that's that guy. Well, it could be you tomorrow, yeah, you know, that's and, right. so it's not going to stop. Your political views could get found out and you could get fired. You can slip up and say something at a party and that's enough. And we see that happening now. And there needs to be some laws passed to protect employees for their political views. And this is where it needs to go in that direction. So thank you so much, Derek. All right. Thank you very much. Derek did nothing wrong. But hey, with management like that, it's no wonder why the USPS has horrible ratings online, tons of reports and articles of missing packages and bad service, and apparently it's one of the more dangerous places to work with lots of injuries. More enforced racial diversity, along with constant anti-white rhetoric, means more problems for white people, and no protection for white people who refuse to go along with the agenda. It's a sign of things to come, so it's important to make noise today. Derek is going to have to quit his job, find a new one, and continue in his legal battle against the USPS. So if you all can, please show him some support, reach out to him. We've included his email. We must forge ahead and push for laws that protect employees for their political views. You know, if tables were turned and it was communists who were being fired, they would be freaking out. As always, folks, RedIceMembers.com is the website to go if you want to become a part of the Red Ice family and help us out. It is vital in these times that we have your backing so that we can help other voices, suppressed voices, and truth be heard. Love you all. See you next time.